welcome. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network at republicbroadcasting.org. Hour two of the broadcast here on this Friday, the 19th of January, 2024. I'm your host, Richard Carey, and this is Beyond the Official Narrative. And I have with me roundtable panelists, Alan Crutcher, Stephen Douglas, Whitener, and James in Vancouver. Uh, James, you were kind of cut short at the end of the uh, the last segment, the end of the first hour. And uh, so maybe I would toss it to you with this, this added uh, perspective. You know, um, well, I don't know. Trump sounds very confident, a lot of his sound bites. You know, he hoped the economy doesn't tank on his watch. Um, and, and then just some other, like, just... You know references that you know he'll obviously be the be the next president. Of course, there are people out there with different points of view thinking he'll be in prison, uh, or that just there'll be another stolen election. Uh, Bannon, Steve Bannon, is out there predicting Trump's first 100 days in office will set a 50-year agenda. Uh, Steve Bannon laid out what the beginning of former President Donald Trump's second term would look like if he's elected later this year. He says the first 100 days of President Trump's second term would be the equivalent of the first 100 days of FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. So and that was uh, what he said in the uh, Bannon War Room podcast. So, I don't know. Uh, what, what do you think is likely in our future, James? Well, I mentioned Bobby Kennedy Jr. just now because I heard him last night on a Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie, and he knows very well because the pollsters got to him, convinced him to run because they said he had the numbers. So it seems to me he's in a position to split the vote. In other words, it's going to be a three-way um, three-way fight. So he has the option of taking his constituency to the left or the right. He's going to be the deciding factor. So I would... Uh, say that, uh, what's his name, Steve Bannon should sharpen his pencil a bit, because it could very well be that uh, whether Bobby Kennedy Jr. knows it or not, he's definitely playing into the hands of the deep state that don't want Donald Trump to be president. Um, Back to you. Well, let's uh, toss it over to Alan. Uh, hello, Alan. Uh, maybe we caught him at a bad time. He was, I shook up the rotation here. <laughs> Alan, we still have you, sir. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll reconnect with him. Stephen, here, would you like to pick it up? You heard what James said. Yeah, I don't know whether it. <laughs> I, I think they want a uniparty state here is what they want, where there's no, you know, it's just a semblance of a, it's a, an election anyway. It's so obvious to the rest of the world that Biden stole it. I mean, we're a laughing stock already. We, they, they, they look at us as living in a banana republic now. And <clears throat> if that is solidified, you know, I, especially if it's solidified with the, um, 
charade of an election and and not with some uh i've heard it <clears throat> people mention say oh well they depending on who they picked for the running mate they would assassinate trump and and, and i mean that who knows that 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 could happen too i mean not with the possible everything's possible i guess but if they were able to make it look with the charade of an election that they and that they and they're still in power it'd be like obama's fourth term basically i've seen <clears throat> videos of obama saying if he could make an arrangement with someone so that he could you know uh, uh, you know put them as the front man and then speak in the earpiece and he'd be in the basement or whatever and i mean that really looks like what's going on since he's he's been so close by I me mean, it it really looks like that whether that's actually what's happening or not the uh philosophically and and, and uh conceptually and and uh, you know that's the way the things are going up there and there's no there's no fixing that government with an election i don't care if uh uncle adolf came back and got elected <laughs> it's just there's no fixing that government yeah i was mentioning uh not long ago that you actually with that stance i think it was I don't know. Uh, let's see. Well, no, you were on the roundtable last week. I don't think that was the day. But, I mean, I, I mentioned how both you, uh, yourself, feel that there are no political solutions. And the gentleman who had the slot prior to uh, you uh, having the morning uh, Saturday slot, Farron, Shof, you know, he, he always uh, said and feels to this day as well, you know, there's no political solutions. But uh, I don't know, maybe Alan got disconnected for a moment and missed James's comment at the start. Steve Bannon is predicting the first 100 days of a Trump second uh, term would set a 50-year agenda similar to the first 100 days of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, FDR. So, you know, certainly has big plans. Uh, but James was pointing out how Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, Robert Kennedy is being put in there to split the vote three ways uh, because he has the uh, charisma uh, on a lot of agendas. He really falls short, I must say, you know, uh, but I don't know. So I'll toss it over to you, Alan. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a spoiler. Yeah, very well could be. You know, uh, the only thing I I do like about Kennedy was he did write a pretty damn good book on, on uh, who Fauci was. And, and what the scientific community, for the greater part, I know there are still probably a few good people out there, some, some honest researchers, but, you know, everything that he wrote in that book, you know, was kind of what I experienced because I was actually going to become a research scientist. You know, I've got a degree in zoology. I was going for developmental biology and paid my own way through college, you know, so I wasn't just a flash in the pan. And uh, so I, I helped professors do research because I was great in labs. I think I made an A in every lab that I ever had. You know, I've played with electron microscopes and various other, you know, instruments. Uh, I, and technology has advanced a lot since I was in it. You know, that, hell, that was 30, 35 years ago. And, um, but no, you know, uh, but, but just uh, the, the, the takeover of the scientific community, you know. Um, I, I had two professors that I was doing research for, and both of them told me, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but basically... Uh, yes, uh, you know, I asked them about research data that I'd collected, you know, under microscopes or wherever, you know, seeing it change in the final grant reports and everything, and, and being told basically that, well, you know, we have to massage the data sometimes to keep the money coming in. You know, so, and, and that's when I kind of figured out, you know, it's like, oh, really? So there's no, not, no truth in, you know, this scientific research, you know, the guys in the white coats. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Kennedy, spoiler, yeah. 
Um, Farron Show found out very well that um, your average Jimmy Joe Fred Bob ain't got much of a chance of getting into a place of power, you know, uh, without being controlled and massaged and manipulated, you know, by, by uh, the powers that be. Uh, Farron found that out, you know, firsthand, and he was pretty pissed about it. You know, when he came back on air, he was he was a, a different person. You know, he put his heart and soul into trying to change things in his local environment, his state, and uh, found out what was brought against, to bear against him, you know. Um, unless you are, you know, compliant and everything else, you know, you don't go very far. You know, it's it's uh, it, it's not an easy road to to get in. And um, you know, uh, Ron Paul, you know, God bless him. You know, he, he was Doctor No, but you know, he was there for a reason. You know, in fact, uh, I, was it on Alex Jones' show where Ron Paul? You know, I, I think it was Alex asking him a question. It's like, man, it's like, what happened to your to your campaign? It's like, man, you you were getting man, the, the people were behind you, the money bombs, there was money rolling in. You know what happened? It just seemed like you quit, and and Ron Paul stopped, and he just said, "Oh no, if I would have won, they would have killed me." You know, he understood what what it was, and I guess he got out as much information he could. You know, Federal Reserve. You know, blah blah blah. You know. Uh, but he was also there as kind of, you know, um, he was Dr. No. He was the one that voted no against everything. And uh, he was there for a reason and allowed to be there. And, uh, no, it's uh, we ain't going to vote our way out of this. James? Uh, yes. <clears throat> well, uh, I don't know if anyone's heard the name Bernard Baruch, but he had a oh, yeah. lot to do with... U.S. policy uh, before World War II, uh, I believe even World War One, and um, there uh, Baruch, the family goes back. I believe his father, a grandfather, or something, uh, was a doctor for the Union Army in the Civil War, and they ended up uh, taking a hell of a lot of land. I think in Georgia or Virginia, but that's beside the point. But anyway. Uh, all of these people uh, high up like that, and I'll even include the Roman Catholic Church and the Curia there, uh, they have a lot to say about political leaders. Um, I think 1789, you had the uh, university set up right by Washington, D.C. there with um, um, the uh, university, uh, what do you call it, um, the one that Bill Clinton went to and a lot of these guys went to uh, Georgetown University. So um, big money and powerful people always are going to take control of the politicians because that's the way they got to power in the first place. And um, if you want to read a quote about the Roman Catholic Church, you go to Machiavelli, I think it's in The Prince, where he talks about the Vatican has ruined Italy. So, I'm back to you, gentlemen. Well, you know, perhaps this is be an interesting point to to pivot a little bit. Uh, so, in, in in recent weeks, uh, we were discussing uh, the Patriot Movement, the Militia Movement, and uh, let's see, it was last Friday. I had. Uh, Mike in Kentucky, Andy in Texas, Stephen Douglas Whitener here. We heard from um, Alan's uh, co-host. You know, we heard from uh, Steve O'Brien actually 
Chance had called in. Uh, and I mean, I was talking about how the the militia movement, you know, it's alive and well, you know, in a lot of states, a lot of competent men, uh, the remnant, if you will, a small amount, but that's all it takes. If you did really have a revolution anywhere uh, that got going. And I, I mentioned John's former partner, you know, I've been listening to him a bit lately, uh, Mark Kornke. And, you know, he and a lot of these gentlemen uh, he coordinates with does his show uh, keeping tabs with from a lot of states, you know, from where he is in Michigan to, to Arkansas to Texas to over in Florida, where I am now, you know, I mean, all over. I mean, there, there are a lot of people who would be dug in and, and would do what needs to be done, you know, to stand their ground. And there are plenty, there's plenty of weapons and ammo out there, that's for sure, and a lot of well-trained men. But, I, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, we, we, we did come off like a black pill show, I admit, last, last Friday. Like Chance, he kind of agreed to, you know, it, it seems kind of grim. My, my biggest point is just that, um, well, if these men were to act, it would be in uh, re- re- retaliation, you know, um, not offense, but defense. If you saw what, like blue helmets on American soil, if you saw states actually trying to uh, do a, a full on gun confiscation, um, you know, they're not they don't have the manpower or the, um, uh, you know, the d- desire to get involved in all that that would entail. I don't know. I just I, I don't I don't see what would happen that would trigger people to start this revolution to feel like we have no choice. You know, they've 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 gone too far now, and we have to just you know uh, push back and, and and take back our country. You know, like what what would happen? Like these things I mentioned, I don't think those would. And so I mean I don't know. I was going to have a little bit of a, a commentary. So, I mean, I did actually receive a, an email about it, and uh, I, you know, I didn't even check out too thoroughly, but I want to see what, what the panelists here have to say. Roundtable comments from, from this listener. Just listen to the two-hour doom and gloom roundtable last night, uh, which started when Chance called in. When Chance called in, I started feeling like the passengers when the ex-Army captain was telling them their life story. Uh, the airplane movie clip is attached call us the airplane test uh okay so any video or audio i tune into that makes me feel really gloomy like chance did i generally turn them off you not need that kind of negativity I might as well listen to the mainstream news i think chance lives in a very isolated life spending all his time listening to podcasts well a lot of us <laughs> do you know i mean that's not really a something we're not aware of uh, so um but you know uh I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That you know, there's. Do people just tune out if we're if we're that negative? You know, we're trying to be a realist, is all. And, I mean, we want a solution, you know. And I'd, I'd like to see how, how that would go about, is all. Stephen, what do you have to say, sir? Any solution is not going to be rooted in the system we're in now. The system is doing just what it was designed to do. We've got to find a different way to live as human beings, uh, as races, and quote-unquote nations. Whatever is left, I mean, the monetization of every aspect of your life is what this weapons platform facilitates as well with the banksters and with the military to control us it's just it's infuriating i'm glad that um 
Alan brought that digital thing up. One of my guests I had a few weeks ago that talks about trying to take back what digital uh, privacy control we have over our online life is left available to us. He's going to have this uh, boot camp Sunday in Marietta, Georgia, at a Catholic church at mark37.com if anybody's interested in checking that out. It's in the afternoon. And you can find information about it at mark37.com, and and it'll be uh, – I forgot the name of the church, but I just am glad you mentioned that because I wanted to plug his event. I want to do the best I can do as far as that. I, I, I am an old dog. It's hard to learn these new tricks, and I've been programmed by these t- screens as much as anybody else. I'm right at Alan's age, I think, and – I remember when we were developing these computers and stuff. They'd already, you know, they're, they're older than me. I was born in 1960 as well. But one of the things I remember back then is garbage in, garbage out. You know, just because they have uh, developed the computing power we have, if the questions we ask are wrong, then the answers are going to be wrong too. I'll toss it back to you there. Okay, well, Alan, uh, let me hear from you, sir. Yeah, well, you know, it might sound like a black pill, but let, let me read a couple of paragraphs from a book by a guy named Barry Goldwater. Um, it's, it's called With No Apologies. This was written in 1979. Here's one quote that, that just sticks with me, and I've read it several times. I believe the Council on Foreign Relations and its ancillary elitist groups are indifferent to communism. They have no ideological anchors. In their pursuit of a new world order, they have prepared to deal without prejudice with a communist state, a socialist state, a democratic state, monarchy, oligarchy, it's all the same to them. Rear Admiral Chester Ward, United States Navy retired, who was a member of the Council on Foreign Relations for 16 years, has written, the most powerful clique in these elitist groups have but one objective in common. They want to bring about the surrender and the sovereignty of the national independence of the United States. Their goal is to impose a benign stability on the quarreling family of nations through merger and consolidation. They see the elimination of national boundaries, the suppression of racial and ethnic loyalties, as the most expeditious avenue to world peace. Their rationale rests exclusively on on, uh, materialism. They believe economics, competition, is the root cause of international tension. This approach dismisses as insignificant the form of government or the political ideology expressed by that form. He goes on to talk about Council, uh, Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, Spigny Brzezinski, the Rockefellers, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, very, and this was written in 1979. It only made one printing. If you can find a copy, it's going to be a first edition copy, a first printing, because it didn't go to a second printing. But um, it, this has been going on for a long time, folks, you know, and it's been planned for a long time. I read a lot. I don't have access to podcasts or anything else. But I've read Zbigniew Brzezinski, Between Two Ages. I've read Carol Quigley. I've read, you know, um, a lot of books that aren't real comfortable to read. Uh, I, you know, Morals and Dogma, another book. Not real easy to read, not real comfortable. But you, but you start figuring out the power structure and how long it's been going on and that all this crap has been planned long in advance. Back to y'all. Well, no, thank you for that. James? Yeah, you could go back to the Anglo-American relationship and um, the East India Company, but uh, yeah, uh, Alan's exactly right. The CFR was a uh, child, I believe, of the Rockefellers and others, but essentially I think the Rockefellers financed it, and 
you can look in who's who. You got Kissinger's in there, Brzezinski's in there, Huntington's in there, and um, they're all about um, manipulating and undermining the um, the state. I mean, the nations of the world, and um, undermining their power to the benefit of the people that are in that uh, council. And um, uh, that council, of course, is hierarchical. I believe that uh, anybody who crosses, who's a member of the council and crosses them or tries to cross them, will be assassinated. And I also uh, heard that uh, John F. Kennedy was a member of that council. And um, the um, the technology, I was going to say, um, a while ago is all this a science of the 20th century and the great technology, a lot of it is directed to controlling and manipulating um, the people um, and using the uh, herd instinct, like my buddy Nietzsche would say, appealing to the herd instinct of uh, of society, and that's how they get their outcome. Uh, back to you. Stephen? Yeah, the real war in Richard Nixon, I remember he put out about the same time as that Goldwater one that talked about a lot of the things, same things too. And it's like the culmination of cybernetics they developed after the Second World War and, and, and have turned it. All of this technology, instead of it being so much as man is able to control a machine and use a machine to fight another machine, these machines are being used to manipulate and control us, make us fight each other now. That's that's the way that they've inverted the technology from, from that conflict. It's not so much the first, second, third, fourth world wars, first, second, third, fourth, and fifth generation of warfare that that, that we're looking at. I've, that, and the hybrid war that's going on, it just more and more the nation states don't mean as much as private corporations, governance. I mean, there's only a few monolithic they want to watch this COVID thing was world a world war on independent small businesses and independent economic uh, uh, output that was that was in any way uh, non Malthusian that they could just wipe out. You know, that was just it's just that's that's the way it seems to me. And they they're planning already for another one. I was saw an article today that they right now in labs all over in some secret lab there they're working on the vaccine for. Uh, disease X, which what the heck, I mean, come on. People are starting to wake up to all of this and starting to realize that the big pharma and all that stuff is not put there for their benefit or health. And none of these things are the benefit, health, wealth, vitality, spiritual edification, or anything else of human beings. It's anti-human. It's not just anti-white, anti-Christian, anti-male, anti-family. And it is all of those things. But the way that they have splintered every good thing since uh, who knows how long I'm, I'm gonna i'll go back to the beginning of the industrial revolution and now the splintering has taken a whole other realm with this technology then you know it it, it looks bad we got to find a different way to associate with each other wake up from this thing we're in they use deception to turn us against each other and on ourselves i think about all of the times that I tried to gain back control of what I was putting in my body and how I just, my appetites controlled me. 
we had I had to do that first with the physical things I ate. I'm having to do that now with the things I allow into my mind too. And it, it's a struggle, you know. Life is a struggle. That's what nature intended. And unless, as long as we deny that and try to thwart it with our technology or whatever, it, it, it sends us sideways trying to seek some technological utopia that will somehow separate us from nature because we are all part of nature the very fact that we are able to comprehend that and think about our brain with our brain you know it just it, it just seems like a fool's errand to try to do that that's what these people are obsessed with transcending not the construct but their own mortality with some technological means and that just is not way that the world was created not the way god planned it however way you want to look at it that's just not life that's death. That's embracing death and control and power over another instead of life and love and light. And I hate to sound like some Stephen's love and light show or Jordan Maxwell, but I'm glad you brought him up. And that's just, you know, that's where I am. You asked where my head was earlier today, or earlier in the show. That's really where I try to keep it. And I have to say it's hard to do with the, things, the way things are going right now. Yeah, no, but it's very well said because, I mean, the inner journey – you know, that is really ultimately uh, all you can do. You can't wait for the world to catch up and improve uh, to the you know, state you'd like to see it or, you know, your, your, your nation or your, you know, your, your folk, uh, however you think of things. But certainly you can improve yourself and possibly a bit in, your, in a local community uh, sense. And we did convey a bit of that near the end of the show on Friday. And so I don't think it was completely negative. It just, you know, you, you can't assume that you're going to have a win as far as the whole team in your lifetime. But you need to have that, that, that win close to home uh, at the very least. And, of course, that's going to take work. And, um, you know, it's not waiting around for anyone but yourself. So with that, I'll pass it to uh, Oh, and we are going to take calls at the bottom of the hour. I know I got a message. Someone was trying to call already and wasn't getting through. But maybe the board figured we weren't taking calls yet. But uh, so if, if, if someone wants to call starting now, uh, yeah, please, uh, Mr. Producer, if you could put them in the queue, uh, you know, get to those calls. And, yeah, we'll take at the bottom of the hour uh, some callers. Alan, please, sir. And, and, yeah, real quick before this slides, I'll get this out real quick. Uh, Stephen brought up, you know, about, the, you know, the COVID and, and the control mechanism. You know, uh, you know, I figured out. Very early on, when they first started the COVID lockdown crap, like I said, I got international television from every continent but Australia. And within two to three days, every television station across this planet, be it, be it in the Congo or Nigeria or Azerbaijan or Poland or, or everywhere else, everywhere across this planet, within two to three days, they, they were all enacting the, the COVID scare, the COVID lockdown. And this, that, I, I, as far as I, I was like, this is a global test of their global control mechanism. How, how, how well, how well do they have it saturated? How, how much of a global control mechanism do we have in place? And I can tell you guys that within two to three days, every television station across this planet was doing the same crap that they were doing on CNN and Fox and all your other local networks. Same damn thing. Fear, fear. It was a control test of their control. James? Yes. I wanted to say that uh, I forgot to mention that uh, in the 1964 election, um, the uh, Lyndon Johnson versus uh, Barry Goldwater, the press painted Barry Goldwater as a madman. 
and said that if he got elected, he was going to bomb Castro with nuclear weapons. And um, yep. this, uh, of course, uh, ensured uh, that Johnson, who was a peace president and sought no wider war after the Gulf of Tonkin incident, blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, you see, this is how it goes. So back to you guys. No, all good points all around. And again, we'll take calls at the bottom of the hour. Stick around. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Do you begin to smell some funky little things going on? Let me share this story with you. It's not so much a story. It's something I wrote years ago. Read your history, people. Stock markets collapse on Friday. Bank seizures, closures, holidays take place after business hours on Friday. Do currencies or governments also collapse on Friday? (laughs) Tomorrow's Friday. Will the end come on this Friday or will the inevitable collapse hold off for a while? The next round of the worst financial crisis in a hundred years is coming, people. And the government is out to make you and I pay for it. Will your savings survive a global banking wipeout? What happens when the U.S. sees hyperinflation? What if taxes soar not only for the rich? Can you survive the stock market tanks? Look, between a stock market wipeout, waves of bank failures, soaring government spending that will lead to hyperinflation and the destruction of the dollar's value, isn't it time that you prepare for the uncertainty which lies ahead? Protect your money now or forever kiss it goodbye. My friends, I offer you over six decades experience of hard asset ownership and knowledge. And I'm prepared to handle the smallest detail in the balanced protection of your portfolio. For as the future of uncertainty continues to blanket this nation of ours, I believe that I can offer you the privacy, safety, security, and possibly some profitability which you deserve. And so I invite you to visit SierraMondrePreciousMetals.com for further information regarding protecting your wealth. Or call me, Jeffrey Bennett, at 602-799-8214. Or by email at KettleMoraineLTD at Cox.net for private consultation. Once again, our phone number is 602-799-8214. It's almost Friday. Hi. Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 Carcass Drop and Lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation, but today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. 
cows too. Easehoff LLC, 417-932-6419. are back folks beyond the official narrative here on republic broadcasting richard carey here with alan crutcher stephen douglas whitener and james in vancouver and again folks if anyone had trouble calling you know try again uh you know maybe a couple minutes ago even there were uh, some issues there but no we should be picking up now if you want to call in uh try we have Andy in Texas uh, here with us. Andy, a welcome, sir. And what is on your mind tonight? Hello? Do we have Andy. Oh, hey. oh, there he is. There we are. Hey. Yeah, okay. Hey, thanks for letting me chime in, gentlemen. Um, very fond of all three of your people's information that you put out. Um, I really like the speculation, and that's basically all we have right now because, uh, <clears throat> you know, with this AI coming in and all the disinformation, all we can do is really speculate based on, I guess you can hypothesize, you can guess based on fact, I guess. But, no, what I wanted to talk about was if you really want to know who's in on the New World Order and how far they've gone with it, just take a, take a look at the COVID uh, uh, entire incident and stuff. Let's just say there's uh, 190 uh, countries around the world, and uh, let's say 182 of them actually went along with all this stuff, and the other ones that didn't go along either got killed or they were pushed out somehow in the next election real quick so that they could get their COVID thing going on. So we can tell that they've got a pretty good stronghold over the entire world. And then when you take a closer look at it, you look at Iran. They locked down for COVID. Syria locked down for COVID. Iran had food shortages during COVID because of the farmers and stuff. Uh, I mean, the same thing. All the chaos has already started, and all these countries are involved in this. And we want to think, we really do want to think that Russia, China, Iran, Syria, um, name your opponent to this Western society. We want to believe that these people are on the on the side of right, or at least they're they're the opposition. And my my take on it is is they're not. I think this is uh, it's, this is Shakespeare. All the world is a stage, and we're just being performed to right now. Stephen. Mr. Whitener? Not there. Is that, did that get it? I, I get, got oh, it. Okay, guys. It just would not go off the mute there. Yeah. I agree we're all being manipulated by way of deception, but that doesn't mean that this, these matches of war are not murdering more and more people every day. Look what they're doing to the gospel. Oh, absolutely. Just, it's horrifying. And then I noticed 
it's not just that war there, but even when it comes to the stuff that happened in Hawaii where the people got burned out, they're not getting any aid, and then they're refusing – the insurance is play, refusing to pay, and they can't pay their mortgage. So, of course, they're going to foreclose, and gee, it seems like that might have been the plan all along, how these people – come along and just wipe us out genocide us and take what they want and that's the plan all the way around all these people that are in control of all of this power technology it's like we're just like cockroaches in their food to them it seems like to me i'm sick of it man and we keep voting representatives of ourselves to deal with these i mean what kind of uh Flock, you know, like a flock of sheep were voting for a, a, a representative to go deal with the slaughterhouse or something that we're coming. You know, it just, or, or, you know, it just, it's ridiculous. It's not going to help us in any way. I think that it's going to escalate too. That they just want. We're the ones they're coming after, and they see themselves. The depopulation thing is is part of the agenda too. That goes back to to. Malthus and all these people thinking that well there's no way that we can feed all these people it's like they don't see people as first of all the greatest resource on the planet but you know that they they won't harvest them as a resource monetarily for power and, and all that but they don't see them as a spiritual resource or one who that the the thing we need is new ideas not more of the same old stuff. And the more they drill this system into us over and over again, the more they're going to just keep grinding us up. You know, like a big uh, slaughterhouse, that, that big meat grinder that they're pushing all of us through, making sausage into sausage is what they, you know, they're feeding to their doggies mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, that's, that's, that's the attitude I think that they have towards us, sir. James? Hello? Yes, James. Right. Um, well, I was going to say, uh, Alan's in a good situation there because I don't think he has any digital equipment at all. So he's not sending out signals uh, that can be picked up, at least. Uh, I'm on a smartphone. That means I'm a target. All we have to do is lock on to this and fire some kind of a sidewinder missile or whatever it is. And I'm toast, you see. So, um, and, um, uh, the government and, you know, all of the 17 intelligence agencies, uh, they're honing down on us uh, right now. The NSA is listening, and they got their really smart, fast computers all set up, and they're taking in every uh, statement I'm making and everybody's making. And uh, I believe they're having a good old time. Uh, fixed into, <laughs> fixed into fix us. So back to you, Alan. Um, the simplest way I can put put it, uh, the way I see it, is a cat playing with a mouse. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. They, they, you know. They they, they they catch it and and they and they wound it a little bit and they let right. it go and it tries to run off and it's like I'm free, I'm free. And then they catch it again and this time they'll you know eat a front leg off and let it go again and it'll run off limping a little bit more and. You know, and, and it toys and it bats with it and it plays with it and it gets enjoyment out of it. I mean, it could it could kill it any time it wants to. They could they could you know with the technology they have, they could probably wipe most of us off the face of the planet. But then where would their excitement and enjoyment come from? You know, uh, torturing small animals, pulling the wings off flies, whatever you want to call it. Andy, do you have a final thought, sir? 
Oh, no, actually, I don't really have a final thought. You guys pretty much put it in perspective. So uh, I'll just let you go. Hey, thanks for letting me chime in. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Let's go to Miles in Maine. Hey, Miles, hey, good to hear from you tonight, sir. How you doing? What's on your mind? Oh, man. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you, Richard. This was another excellent show. Tuesday with James was James was making me wish I was back in college, and he was at my auditorium delivering his lesson plan because uh, James was excellent on Tuesday. I really enjoyed that, James. I always like James' calls, but, but boy, man, I saw the real talent James really has. I mean, we're, it's a pleasure to have him. And then, you know, uh, Alan's one of my favorite guys. I don't miss Alan and, and uh, Steve on Sundays. And uh, uh, Alan is, has his own geniuses, so many that make this network and the callers so special. Um, you know, and my commentary here is that, you know, when you talk about Trump, um, people have these hesitations with Trump. But you know what? In my lifetime, I don't care. He's been the best president we've ever had in my lifetime, despite his flaws, because Take away all the issues. I mean, there's no president we're going to get that's not going to be with Israel, so forget about it. But when it comes to delivering, who got us out of those Paris agreements? Trump. Trump has done more with two hands tied behind his back, the Republican Party against him, the Democratic Party against him, the media against him, the court system against him. There's a reason for that. So I'm tired of hearing this. You know, and, and as much as I... Uh, well, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not embracing Fetzer, but Fetzer's got it right. If if Trump was in with all these people, why would they be trying to knock him out of here so bad? So you know, I agree with that. But back to one of the things that I I heard, and I've heard many people say this. Well, uh, and and you know, Alan kind of indicated this, but this is this is no swipe at Alan or anything. But I'm just saying. Governor Abbott in Texas, I want I would like anybody on your panel there to tell me what they think should have been done if they don't think he did the right thing by alerting the blue states, the people there, irritating them till they made commentary because the Republicans aren't listening to us. But when they hear uh, Adams in New York and they hear the guy in Illinois... Well, they're listening to the democratic, socialist, communists, Marxists. They're listening to them. But Trump told them all this way back, but they're so, they're ignorant, so ignorant that they didn't, you know, they're going to be this touchy-feely, all-inclusive, and it doesn't work. Look at Boeing. Boeing hired all, all minorities, these minorities, and their planes are falling out of the sky or, or being damaged. So, I mean, what would somebody want to do? Because if you ask me... This Governor Abbott did a fantastic job because we never had this kind of attention. And now we do, and now things are getting done. And you see what happened the first time? He sent the guard to the border. Well, they're going to come and contest that. Well, they always have been all along. But what I don't understand, what else would somebody have liked him to do? Because he can only do so many things. And in my opinion, he did the best thing. And I don't want to hear this crazy nonsense I hear like Jeff Rents and these guys. Oh, why didn't he just deport him? Because we already know deportation does not work. 
That's why they come here 10 and 12 and 15 times, keep murdering people like Tom from Florida will tell you, and they keep that up. So deporting them is not going to happen. So what's the other alternative? I think he did the best thing. I wish every, I wish every uh, state had a Governor Abbott, and even DeSantis did something about it. As much as I don't care for a lot of the things he does, you know, if teaching this uh, homosexuality and this uh, transgender stuff is wrong, why, why in the hell would it be any good if you're, uh, you know, unless you're above third grade? I mean, why would it be any good whatsoever? And how did that become an academic, uh, and James might be able to answer that, how did that become an academic program? But this Governor Abbott, he did the best he could do, in my opinion, and he is the one responsible for bringing the attention and bringing the wrath now, because even the Democrats hate it. But that wouldn't have happened until they got filled in their cities with the people that they're sending there. Commentary. A lot of fantastic points there. And, yeah, I guess in the independent media, Miles, we're always feeling it's our role to, uh, you know, see, you know, the, the negative aspect or, or how it's just uh, conceding a concession. And, but, you know, yeah, I guess if you would have sent them out of the country, in all fairness, you know, it would have been just a small amount compared to how many are getting in. And this was instead sending a, a statement, even though it, it may have put them further, deeper into the country. It, uh, to get even the blue uh, well, city they, leaders, and then they would have just, yeah. and then they would have just made a U-turn, Richard, U-turn, Richard, and return, and we'd be back at it again. So yeah, you know, not. When these, yeah, when these people go after Trump, you know, until Trump has his second term, now then, if you want to comment on him and say, you know, he's this, but Trump's got to play with these people, right? So Trump's got to say things that are outrageous, like you know, well, I'll, I'll entertain this or I'll entertain that. I mean, he doesn't have any choice, but you need to read between the lines. Um, and still, regardless of what Trump, what incursions he's had that people don't like, in my lifetime, you know what, Trump Trump destroys Reagan's legacy. I mean, Reagan had everybody with him and couldn't do anything until they finally, you know, when they shot Reagan. But Trump has, he has found a niche and I think the people, I think Trump deserves people to go with him. I mean, all these people on this planet aren't against Trump for some for no reason. They don't want him there because obviously they think he's doing the right thing. So I, I wish people would consider that. And uh, and like I said, you know, Abbott, as far as Abbott, without Abbott pushing the issue, there'd be no issue. And I, I just want to hear the commentaries here. And like I said, SDW, you know, that's one of my guys right there. And, and so this this group you put together is excellent. They're, what would you call it? Uh, aside from brainy, I mean, they're very intuitive. Uh, and these are the kind of people we need to come up with solutions. You know, and if you, and if you don't like what Trump does, don't be mad at Trump. You got 435 congressmen and another 100 senators. You got 535 people that you should be saying... They should be removed. They're dual citizens. They're voting against us. Don't blame Trump. Every two years, you got a chance to take those people away from here. But you return them 96% of the time. What's the problem here? Commentary, please. Right, let's start with James. Uh, yes, well, thank you, Miles, for that compliment. And uh, 
just to back up what you're saying, if people tune in to 77 WABC New York City Radio uh, and listen to Curtis Sliwa, uh, founder of the Guardian Angels, uh, he'll, t- he'll tell you exactly how these uh, uh, so-called uh, migrants are uh, literally wrecking the uh, city and, uh, and other presenters on that same radio station are also complaining about what's going on. So um, your point is well taken uh, with regard to um, Governor Abbott because uh, that did get things going. Back to you. Well, thank you, James. I appreciate that. And uh, I just can't tell you how, you know, I feel like after listening to you, man, I wasted a lot of college tuition. Um. A lot of people did, and I forgot to mention on that program that uh, NASA has known about this research uh, since uh, 1999, and uh, they buy this kind of medicine, I believe, to repair the DNA of their uh, people that go up 100 miles, because um, at 41,000 feet in an airliner, for 10 hours you're absorbing a lot of radiation, but when you're at 100 miles, you're absorbing uh, way more, 10 times, maybe more, uh, radiation, which destroys the DNA. So um, thanks again for your compliments. Uh, back to you guys. Alan? Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't like to get in arguments. Um, I just know what I see and what I observe. Um, World, World Economic Forum member um, Abbott, um, I see what he does locally here on a, on a little more local scale as much as possible. Um and as far as um, politics being our savior, one person gets in, expect, be expected to make a big difference. Um, Goldwater in his book, Big Brzezinski in his book, Carol Quigley in his book, both, all of them, if you read people that were on the inside that have come out and been able to uh, kind of give a sketchy part, you know, a part of, of what's going on, almost every one of them states basically that when, when a new person comes into office, there might be a turnover in, in some, of the, some of his personal staff, but the policy never changes. The real policymakers behind the scenes, not, not the meat puppets that are put up there, you know, for, for our show, you know, with someone's hand shoved up their butt making their mouth move, those aren't the ones who decide anything. There are deep, if you want to call it the, the, the swamp, you want to call it, you know, whatever, whatever name you want to give to it, the people behind the scenes, the policymakers, the people involved in the CFR and the trilateral and various other um, secret organizations, you know, that stay behind the scenes, but they are the ones that really develop policy. And as far as I'm concerned, politicians, it's just Hollywood for ugly people. They're given a basic script. Some of them can ad-lib a little bit better. Some of them have more of a personality, and it seems, you know, and it seems more natural. But I can, I can pretty much guarantee you, as far as I've been able to figure out, they are all basically given a script and a, and a role to play. Ron Paul was given his role, played it very well, gave out, got out some information, made some people think that would listen to him. But a vast majority of people, he was made out to be just, you know, this weird little goofy-looking nutball. You know, uh, Ross Perot, you know, all these yeah. people that come out and try to start, you know, try to really talk about the situation they're made to be look like nutballs. Uh, you know, uh, James talked about Goldwater. They made Goldwater look like a fool. You know, and, and do I agree with everything that the man, you know, ever did in his life? No. But some truth did come out of him, apparently. 
you talked about some of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, like I said, well, I, so go on. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. And uh, and by the way, uh, I don't think people should forget as much as they make this such an argument. But Goldwater was a Jew. Uh, yeah. But anyway, but anyway, besides that, though, when you talk about Trump, Alan, what you didn't mention is Trump's not a CFR member. He's not in these organizations. Okay. And so I think it's kind of unfair to paint with a broad brush. I mean, I, whatever you say or anybody says, in my lifetime, Trump has done the most that I've seen. I mean, just ask yourself, were you better off with Biden? I mean, was Trump pushing uh, bisexual? Was Trump pushing this in the schools? No. So, I mean, yeah, you can, you can have your peccadillos with Trump, and you can do these things. And the media is good at that. The media likes uh, you know, putting those things out there, the mainstream media. Uh, but in my lifetime, from what I've seen, Trump has done more in my lifetime than Reagan, Bush, and every other president since John F. Kennedy put together. Now, you, you mentioned the stuff that things don't change, but Trump pulled us out of the Paris Accords, so they do change. And I don't understand these people that don't that sit there and say, well, Oh, you know, I'm not, I, Trump didn't do this, and I'm not going to vote for Trump because of this. Trump did 90%. You know, say what anybody wants. I, and whoever's the president's going to be with Israel, that's a standard, or they're going to at least say they are. And I think Trump knows the difference. But you know what? He has at least thrown us a couple big, fat bones. Big, fat oh, bones. Well, especially, by the, especially by the judges he put it in the appellate level of the federal courts, okay? So, you know, anybody can say what they want, but in, in terms of me, I mean, like I say, if you got an argument, go get your congressman and say, what do you support NAPAC for? Don't go come to Trump. Well, no, thank Next. you for all those, all those points. Uh, we have one more caller in queue. Uh, Stephen, do you want to make a, a comment before we go to the, the final caller? Thanks for the call, Miles. I just, you know, warp speed and a bunch of problems I have with Trump, but it's like he did the idea of Trump that what he represented to people, I would agree with that, that there's still some hope to be found there. But what he did, you know, take the guns first, due process second and stuff, it just I think he shows the limitations of what we could expect because Biden reversed those things, didn't he? They did the good things he put in place with all that. And that's a whole other thing. Let's get to our caller before we run out of time. I'm well, sorry. Let me, I didn't let, wait, let, me, let me comment on that. Trump said take the guns, but he didn't take the guns. OK, warp speed. How do you know Trump wasn't given inaccurate information like when he was on the stage and he was there and said, I wish somebody would have let me know about this? I mean, if he's given inaccurate information, he's going by the information he was given. Don't blame Trump for all that. Let's look, let's look at this vividly. Where did that information come from that he should go forward with warp speed? It came from Fauci, Burks, and those people. Don't just dump it on Trump. But I love you, SDW, and Richard Carey's an all-time favorite. This is an excellent uh, forum here, and thank you. I don't want to take up any more time. Thank you all. Thank you. Miles, always appreciate your call. I will say I I do have a recording of Trump when when he said, if it was up to me, I'd I'd take them all right now and let them fight it out in court, talking about firearms. But go ahead. We have JP in Chicago. JP. 
Yeah, great round table tonight, guys. And I'd like to say uh, politics and religion, my daddy taught me better. <laughs> but I'd like to give a toast to uh, General Lee, his birthday today. And I had relatives on both sides of the fence. Uh, Colonel George T. Lee, he was a... Uh, he fought a P-51 uh, fighter in uh, World War II, and he was an ace pilot. And then I had uh, Uncle Fran, who's on my in-law's side. He fought with Patton on, uh, in Patton's army. He was a tank, a Sherman tank driver. Uh, and he lived pretty long. Um, they both survived the war. And uh, Colonel Lee, I'm going to put up a, on my YouTube page today, and J.P. Watchman, I'm going to put up a, his uh, biography. My dad wanted me to do that in his memory. Uh, so it's Colonel George T. Lee, his biography story from World War II. I'm posting it tonight. Um, so you guys are doing a great job tonight, and I just want to give a toast to all the veterans out there, and it looks like we're, we're getting into... Uh, on the edge of World War Three, so I want to lead that off with the conversation. What do you guys think about that with uh, Ukraine, Gaza, and now Pakistan and Iran? There's a lot of hot spots going on. Well, James, we're running out of time, but James, do you want to comment? Uh, yes, the P-51, in fact, was designed by a German uh, aeronautical engineer. Back to you. Wow. And uh, World War... On the horizon. North American kicked them up from South, South America. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm sorry. We're just about out of time. Well, thank you, JP. And, yeah, we'll have to continue this and see. It's, it's, it's hard to see what's on the horizon. But certainly there'll be money to be made by the uh, military-industrial complex. Folks, please support RBN. Keep everything going here. It really needs your help right now. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on that donate page so that we will speak again soon. And until next time, transcend the construct. Regards. Standing six foot four, weighing in 245 pounds of crime fighting, political science, analyzing brawn. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Patrick Slattery. So, Mike, get off this anti cicada agenda. I'm a born-again traditional Christian, and my favorite possessions are right here on my nightstand. That would be the King James Bible and my 357 revolver. I'd rather be ruled by Chinamen than Jews. Cola with the anti-Semitic remarks, right? Just because you steal an election and terminate the Republic doesn't mean you terminate the people in the Republic, because we're still here. I'm not taking the vaccine. You, Bill Gates. There was a way forward still on January 6th. What needed to be done is to object to every single state. The COVID-19 virus was the setup. The vaccine could very well be a bioweapon. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 